Okay, uh, good morning, good morning. And today's daf is daf Tzadi Ches. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmat, Gilabat Yitzchak Yisrael, Halevi. And for Rafur Shleim of Adasa Basrena Edel, it's also Le'ilu Nishmat Harav Avram Chaim ben Eliezer Yaakov and Elek ben Favish. And for Rafur Shleim of Orakle Bas Gershom. And Eliyahu ben Leon. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. <coughs> okay, so we will go from the second line at the top of Sari Chesamur Aleph, A 98a. Um, this is built on the last two Mishnahs, so just to bring out the key points from it is two Mishnahs ago, that's on Sari Zainamur Aleph, we learned that a woman can sell a state, can sell the husband's property. Um, for Mazonas, but that's that's for her sustenance. So she needs food, as we know, she's oblig- she's allowed to collect food from the estate or money for food. So she's allowed to do that. She can, so she's allowed to go and sell the land. However, when it comes to collecting her ksuba, collecting the 200 money plus the tosefes, etc., there's a machloikas. Tanakama holds she can sell it herself, and Rebbe Shimon holds no, she has to go through Beisdin. It has to be an official process to make sure that it is done um, correctly and fairly. So that's two missions ago. Again, this, that for Mazona, she can sell the estate by herself. Otherwise, but for the Hukzub, it's Machloikas, whether she has to go to Beisdin. Then the previous Mishnah, towards the bottom of yesterday's daft, towards the end of yesterday's daft, brought another Machloikas. If she's collected part of Hukzubah, so of the, let's say, Hukzubah is 200 money, that's the standard. Um, if she's collected 200 money, and she, so, so sorry, so she hasn't collected the full 200, she's collected 50 of it. Can she still get Mazonas. I mean, once she's collected her ksuba, she has no right to Mazonas. But what happens if she's collected part of her ksuba? Do we view it, and this is the phrase the Gomorrah uses, do we say mixas kesef, kokol kesef? Since she's left some money in the ksuba to collect, it's like she's left all the money in the Ksuba to collect. So that's how the Tanakh come and learn. And therefore, the Tanakh, they hold, again, if she's collected 50 of the 200 or whatever it is, she can still get Mazoinus from the estate. So she would still be allowed, she would still be allowed to go ahead and sell. Whereas Rabbi Shimon holds, no, once she's collected any part of the Ksuba, she's no longer entitled to collect um, Mazonas, sustenance from the estate. And therefore, she would have to, um, and therefore, to collect anything from the estate, according to Rabbi Shimon, she now has to go through Beisdin because it's to collect a pout for her ksuba. So that's the background to this point. So now it says, There was a woman who collected a silver goblet as part of her ksuba. Now again, she's not allowed, um, this doesn't cover the entire 200 ksuba, but she's collected part of it. Now, she then went and said, look, my ksuba is 200 money. I've only collected a, a silver goblet worth 25 or whatever it is. I still want to be supported by the estate. Now, what are the, what are the heirs obviously saying? No. Look at the previous Mishnah we just learned. The previous Mishnah says that if you've collected some of your estate, you're no longer entitled to Mizonas. 
Sorry, if you've collected some of your ksuba, you're no longer entitled to mezoinus. So I said, I'm in the robber. They came before robber for a judgment. And Amal he asked me, Zilu habulei mezoinus. He went and he said to the orphans, go give her the mezoinus. He lays the chash lot to Rabbi Shimon, to Amal Lamri, and mixes kesef kekol kesef. We do not hold like Rabbi Shimon, who says, mixes kesef kekol kesef. We do not hold like Rabbi Shimon, who says, once she's collected um, part of her ksuba, um, sorry, that we don't say because, um, because she's collected part of her ksuba, sorry, still there's, since there's still some, sorry, let me, let me rephrase Rabbi Shimon, since there is still some of her ksuba to collect, it's as if she can still collect a whole ksuba, and therefore, it's as if she still has her ksuba to collect, and therefore she can get mezoinus. Rabbi Shimon says that is not so, but Rob is telling us we do not paskin like Rabbi Shimon, we paskin like the Chachomim, that she can still get mezoinus. Okay, next point. If a woman sells property not through Beisdin, she has not collected um, all of her ksuba or her ksuba, does she have to go and take a shvua in Beisdin that she did not collect or sell land to a higher value than her ksuba. Maybe she doesn't need a shvur. So the Gemara asks, you should actually first ask about announcing. You, you jump in the gun in your questions. What's hachroza? So hachroza is that when Bezin have to do a sale. So for example, we want to say a woman here who's selling off the estate to collect her ksuba. You have to do a 30-day announcement for an auction. Why do you have to do that? To make sure that you're getting the right value. If I come to you and I say, look, I've got a house to sell by today or you know, I want, to, I want to sell it today, it's not such a good chance I'll get the full value for the house. But if it's on the market for, a, well, I mean, they established 30 days. Nowadays, I imagine a state agent might even say a bit longer than 30 days. But you need, you need it on the market. You, have to, you advertise and publicize that there's going to be an auction. So that's what you have to do now. That's the hachroza, the announcement, putting the adverts out that there's this property for sale. Um, yeah. So now, the, what the Gomorrah is saying, or what uh, Rav Yosef is saying to Rabbi Braid Robber, you should first ask, does she have to do an hachroza? Because if the halacha is, she does not have to do an hachroza, Sorry, if the halacha is that she does have to do a hachroza, that she has to go through this advertising, the auction and announcement, well then we can easily check whether she's getting fair value or not. So she would not have to take a shvua. But if you, so therefore we should ask that question first, because you can avoid the second question. Again, the second, the Gomorrah that he started with was, does she have to take a shvua or not? No. If she has to do a hachroza and you answer that question as yes, then there's no discussion. She doesn't have to take a shvua. It's only if you answer no to that question, I, she does not have to do achrozah, she can just take the estate and sell it. Well, then we've got a question, can we make her take a shvua to make sure that she didn't over-collect more than she deserves? So the Gemara answers, He says, I wasn't asking about achrozah. It was obvious. So Omer Ibizayi, Omer Nachman, Ibizayi said the name of Rav Martin, Rav Nachman, If a woman evaluates land for herself, she has done nothing. 
Ah, if she takes land, saying, oh, this land is the value of my ksuba, I'll keep this land. The orphans are allowed to take that land back and give her la- a money instead. So we see that it's ineffective, her taking the land. Not only does she have to have outside, we'll see it's more than that. Um, yeah, you're right. If she, and if she would go through the normal procedure of selling the land for money or something like that, then it could not be undone. It's only here where she takes the land for herself, says, oh, Maksuba's worth 200 money, I'm taking this land worth 200 money. That's where it can be undone. It says, now, hey, Khidami, what's the case that we said it's invalid? It says, if she's made an announcement, she's done the auction process, why is her action ineffective? She announced the sale. Listen, listen, because what happens? She announced she's selling the land. She gets in the bids, people express interest, and you get an idea what the land is worth. So then she says, okay, I'm keeping that. Instead of selling the land to one of those people for 200 money, I'm going to keep it for the land. What's the problem with doing that? So, Ella loved the law offers. It must be that she did not make an announcement. And it's only where she takes the land that it's ineffective. But if she sold it to someone else, what she done, what she does is valid. But how we're learning is that she doesn't have to do the Akhraza again. Because if she did the Akhraza, why would you say she cannot keep the land? Again, she has this field. She's asserting that field's worth 200 money and that's what I'm all, all owed. So they put it on the market. They get the, it evaluated. They hear what people are offering or prepared to offer. Ah, so when she says, that's it. so when she takes it, it's fair value. So why could, should she not keep it? Must be like, didn't do an akhraza. Didn't publicize it and she said, no, that field's worth 200 money and just takes it. Now everyone's a little bit suspicious. The orphans are saying, no, that field's worth uh, 220 money. Um, you, you're uh, stealing from us, um, etc. So that's where it is invalid. But either way, we see she can sell without a akhraza. Now, so, so that's where we're holding at the moment. It says, no, you can actually learn this slightly differently. is where she did make a difference. And what they're saying, literally, who evaluated it for you, but it's who accepted the sale for you. Now, this is just a technicality in the transferal here. I can't sell and buy my own land. How does that work? I can't sell my own be the seller and the buyer. So here what's she doing? She's taking the land and selling it to herself. That there's nothing fixing that. There's no effectiveness to the transaction. Again, not that we're not that we're worried about her stealing or taking more, that we've got around that. Because there's an achroza. They announce it and publicize, etc. But it's all just weaker because it's it's ineffective because who's selling it? Um, so he said, and now where do we see that this, that we don't say it works when someone sells something to themselves? There was a certain man who they deposited um, coral, it's a valuable type of wood, with him. And then they used it to make jewelry or fancy kalim. And so, so there was a man who had this coral de yasmi belonging to orphans. He went and evaluated it. For himself, but Abba Zuz at 400 Zuz. 
Ayakar, and then it went up in value. So he evaluated this coral of 400 zoos and he took it to, to pay off the loan. It says Ayakar, and then it went up in value. So Kombashisman, it was equal to 600. So it's Ami, they came before Rabbi Ami. Uh, the orphans were saying, look, we want. Uh, we want some of the coral back because clearly he got paid out far more than he should have. So Amalei, man somloch. So he asked the person who evaluated the land for you. I, regardless of the price, he didn't ask him how much was it worth, how much did you take it, how much of the loan. He just said, how was it evaluated? I, what's his concern is you're selling it to yourself. Um, again, what's happening here is the person's holding on to this coral as a cut on maybe for a loan or independent but either way he's got an outstanding loan so he says you know what ah, this, I'll take this to the jeweler or whoever and he'll evaluate it for me and I'll keep it for myself again who's selling it and who's buying it he's doing both transactions it's ineffective regardless of whether it goes up in value or down in value Rav Sheshis, uh, Rabbi Ami wasn't he wasn't. Yeah, Rabbi Ami wasn't even asking well did he get fair value was he cheating the orphans was he you know that's we don't even come on to that. It's just he's buying and he's selling. I was thinking a, pra- a, a more practical example of this could either be in your business. You know, uh, you've got some old laptops and you want to take one home. So you, ah, oh, this laptop's worth a uh, thousand rand. I'll take a thousand rand off my salary and take it home. You're selling it, you're selling it to yourself. Or in a shul, someone who's involved in the shul and the shul's getting rid of the pews or getting rid of the ch- some chairs or selling some books, you know. The Gaboim probably can't take any of it from so, Okay, we're not accusing them of, of stealing it. It, it is its value. That's what anyone else would pay. But transaction-wise, there's no effect here of buying something for yourself. Um, so that's what uh, that's what's happening in this scenario. So, but again, while we bring this, we have no real answer to whether the widow has to do hachrazah so far, because we try to prove that she does not have to. And we showed, no, that's not the discussion there. The discussion there is just this point that it's an ineffective transaction. So the Moran Tzavihilcha said, Shrikha Shfua, the is that a widow who sells property to collect her land does need to take a Shfua, that she didn't get more than the value. Uh, she took it, even let, let's say she, was, she's, she bargained a good deal, and she collected more for this field that would normally be worth 200. She collected 210, she, so she has to take a sure that she didn't get more. The Hilcha said, so that's the halacha, she needs a sure. The Eina Tricha Hachroza, but she does not need to make the announcement. Tosos ask an interesting question. They say, wait, this is so strange. When basing on selling off the property, this is a case where the widow is selling. We're basing on selling off the property they had to do hachroza and the announcement and go through the 30-day process of the auction to make sure they're getting fair value. All of a sudden we're dealing with the widow and she doesn't have to do the hachroza. Why would you say such a distinction? So he says, uh, and Tosfos answer, what was it? Um, Tosos answer very interesting. They says because if Bayes didn't get the value wrong and still sell it, it's final, it's fixed. Whereas if the widow gets the value wrong, as we'll see in the next Mishnah, you can undo it, you can cancel it. So Bayes, so we have to be stricter with Bayes because it's final. If those if Bayes didn't sell it at a value of 180 instead of 200, those orphans are losing 20. 
But if the widow sells it, I want 80 instead of 200, they'll just cancel the sale. So that's why Tosas answer, we much stricter when Beisden sell it when the, widow, when the widow sells it. Okay, now we're going to go on to the next Mishnah. Again, okay, continuing this theme, just an important point to understand the Mishnah. We'll see that when the Almona is selling this land for a Yerusha, she's actually acting as an agent on behalf of the orphans. They, strictly speaking, is they have land that should pay off the Ksuba or they should sell the land and pay her cash. She, she's going along and doing it on their behalf. That's a, just keep that in the back of your mind that that's the mechanism that's at play here. So then we're going to give three cases. So first case is If a woman had a Ksuba worth 200 and she sold land worth 100 for 200. Or she sold land worth 200 for one money. This it's as if she's received a ksuba. So again, if she was able to get a good deal, she was able to get 200 out of this field that generally would only be able to sell for 100, she, her ksuba has been paid off, she's received 200. On the other hand, if she has land that is worth 200 and she only sells it for 100, well, she's, she accepted the loss. She sold it at lower value. Um, the second case, If she had a ksuba worth money, 100, and she sold a field that was worth a money bedinar, for one money, and she's selling them short. This field was worth one dinar more than she sold it for. Mochra bottle, her sales is cancelled. And even she says, I'll pay in a dinner to the Yorshim, her sale is invalid. We'll see over the page exactly what this is referring to. Is yeah. there a time frame on this thing? Because it's um, simply that she's a widow. She sells the property. Does it imply that the husband died last week or last month, then she sold the property? Was implied the husband died ten years ago, and then she sold the property. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it makes a difference. Well, it would because the, the property. The value. Oh, oh, the. the oh, oh, the. Oh, oh, the. 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 Oh, at some point in the future, take her super. Take the property as an asset in a way. Yeah, leave it, almost leave it as part of the estate. The estate yeah. um, and collect a super much later. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when exactly they would evaluate it as. I mean, I imagine at the time what we're going on. <coughs> yeah, I'm not sure. So, I feel like the answer has been. Buried in one of the sugyas that we've done. I'm just going. So Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, I'm Eloila Machrokayim. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, no, her sale stands. Again, obviously, as long as she reimburses the dinar that she lost them. Unless she cheats, basically cheats them out of a field worth na, um, the size of nine cup. It's interesting how fields were measured. The size we always say of nine kavin. Kavin is a measure of grain. So what we mean when we say non coven is we mean a field the size that you would plant non coven. You don't you don't take a whole sack of grain and put it in one spot on the ground. You're also not going to spread a one small sack over a huge field. So how much land 
would you plant nine cup of grain in? That's how the measurements of area work in uh, in Gomorrah and Mishnah. So that's Rabbi Shimon Kamil saying that the, the sale stands. Obviously, she has to reimburse him unless her sale of the field, the difference, I heard the, the field had nine cup extra. Or as Rashi extends, even if it was adjoining a field so that together, basically it turns out the orphans have lost a parcel of land that they could have planted nine cup in. Or if it's a gina vegetable patch, bas cup, half a cup, or it would be a court robber cove. Okay, but that's the second case. Again, the second case was whether she, on the surface she sold land that was worth 101 for less than that. She sold the land at less value. What happens if her ksuba was 400 sus? Remember, that's a bas kohen's ksuba was 400 sus. Then she sold part of it part of a field to one person for 100, and to a second person for 100, and to a third person for 100. So how much is she still owed? 100, because it's a ksuba of 100. She sold a field that was worth a money and a dinar for one money. The last person's sale is invalid, but the other sales are valid. Either parcels of land that were worth 100 that she sold for 100, Stand. It's only this last one where the field was worth 101 and she sold it for 100 and it's cancelled. The Gemara will go into what each case is adding on to the previous one. But let's go into um, the Gemara. So where we're holding at the moment is the, the widow has got people to evaluate the land and now she goes and she sells the land and we're going to discuss. So it says, So no, sorry, before we go into the Gemara, remember the first case of the Mishnah, we mentioned that if she has a ksuba worth 200 and she sells land worth 100 for 200, or she sells land worth 200 for 100, either way she's collected a ksuba. So the Gemara asks, What's the difference? In the case where she sold land worth 200 for 100, we say, well, you you caused yourself a loss by underselling the land. You lost out. You had land worth 100, and therefore your ksuba, you lose out. But then, Well, then, if she sells land worth 100 for 200, she should be able to say, I was the one who gained the profit. Why, why in the case where she undersells it, do we say she lost out? And in the case where she sells it at a good value, she gets it a good deal, we say, we don't, she can't say, well, it's my profit. So this is, again, well, this will be much easier to understand in the background that she's working as a shliach, as an agent on behalf of the orphan. So, this is what Rebbe was referring to when he taught, Everything goes to the one providing the money. I, if I send you to buy something for me and you get a good deal, since you're using my money to buy as my shliach, I'm the one who profits from it. Tanya, as we learned in a price, so we're actually going to bring him up. It says, If the seller gives an extra item, I send you to buy, um, I don't know, uh, three. I send you to buy two, two, two t-shirts for me. And it's a, three, a two for three deal. That you buy two t-shirts and you get one free. 
or I'd, I'd send you to buy I don't know, 10, uh, 10 kilograms of flour. And that's a deal then. For every 10 kilograms of flour, you get an extra kilogram free. So that's what he says. I call about... So, if they add on to it, I call the shliach, it all goes to the agent. That's Rabbi Yudah's opinion. Rabbi Yudah says, no, you split it. So, that extra kilo of flour, we'd have to split 500 grams between me, the one who provided the money, and you, the one who acted on my behalf. But wait, Rabbi Yossi said everything goes to the Balamas. So this is, Rabbi Yossi is the opinion we're going to follow, as we'll see. So I'm just going to spend a bit more time on Rabbi Yossi. So, so, so Rabbi Yossi, on the one hand, in this price, it says that they split it, the person who provided the money and the agent. And on the other hand, Rabbi Yossi says it all goes to the person who provided the money. So I'm going to be... Rami Bar says it's not difficult. Here is where it's an item that has a set price, and here's an item that does not have a set price. For example, many, um, what's it, bread. Bread has a set price. I don't know exactly what it is. 15 rand a loaf of bread. It has a set price. Or many uh, items in those days had a set price. You went to the shop for one, you knew exactly what it was going to cost you. The set price for one. However, land, we know land doesn't have a set price. It's very market dependent, and you can sometimes get a bit more for it or a bit less. Now, so why should that make a difference? So when I ask you to go buy me a piece of land, what am I doing? You, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that you might get a good deal and you won't spend all the money, or you might need a bit more money from me. I'm aware that's how land works, so therefore it's all mine as the Mishalach, the one sending the person. However, when the item has a set value, I'm saying you please go buy me 10 loads of bread, 10 bottles of wine, something that has a set value, that's when he says, Rabbi Yossi says, you divide the extra. So I send you to buy me 10 loads of bread, and there was a, a, a special that if for every 10 loads of bread you got two back, according to this, Rabbi Yossi, you split it. I get the 11th loaf and you get the 12th loaf. That's really good. I'll come back to that. Let's just finish that. Also, it's Omara. Papa, Hilchus, a Dover, Sheishla, Kitzva, Falkin, Dover, Sheishla, Kitzva, a Kolabalamas. And Papa says that's the halacha. Anything that has a set price, you split. And anything that has does not have a set price, the Balamaos gets it. This is like Rabbi Yossi. This is Mike Mashmon. What's your Papa coming to teach us? We know the halacha is always like Rabbi Yossi. Now what Rav Papa is coming to teach us as this distinction that we made between things that have a set price and things that don't have a set price is correct. Because again, we ask the question, on the one hand, Rabbi Yossi says you divide it. On the other hand, Rabbi Yossi says it all goes to the Balamas, the one who's sending the person. So which one? So we suggested the answer is, it depends on whether the item has a fixed price or a non-fixed price. Comes along Rabbi, um, Rabbi Yossi, as Rav Poppen says, that's the correct way of understanding it. Now, just before, this is actually fascinating. So why? Let's go back a step and say, why should you divide it? If I send you to the shop to buy me 10 bottles of wine, and there's a sale back for you, if you, get a, if you buy 10 bottles of wine, you get a case-free case. So one is a 12 thing. So, so why should we split it that I get the one extra bottle and you get the one extra bottle? Or if it's cash, whatever, you know? or if it's a discount, if you spend X, you get a, a discount. You know why should we split it? So Rashi here says um, because we're not sure when the shopkeeper gives him 
this bonus, is it because of the shliach? Or is it because of the he's being paid for the business deal? And it's really the one who sent it. Rashi says, we're in a supak who it's going through, who it's going to, and therefore we pay it to him. Um, other Rishonim say slightly differently. They say, no, the reason is, I'm just reading from the Sma, that's a commentary on Shulchan Aruch. Um, he says, um, he says, basically, it should all go to to the shliach, the one who's actually going to the shop. He says, oh, you've come into my shop, you're buying this, you're getting the wine, here you can get two bottles free. That's the, that's how it should be. He says, um, But since the whole gain is coming to the shliach through the money of the one who sends in, Omru Chazal sheyachlaku bahari hamoisa that they should should split their excess. So again, so Rashi is saying, what's the reason behind why they split? Because we're not sure when the shopkeeper gives him this deal, is it because of the guy standing in front of him? Or is it because of the things? We're not sure who it should go to, so we split the gift part of the sale. On the other hand, we have uh, the other Rishonim, they don't know. The reason is really it should all go to the Shleach. He's the one standing in the shop. The guy's giving him the extra two bottles of wine, or the extra kilogram of flour, whatever it is. So he's the one who should keep it. But Chazal said, since he's making all this money off the guy who sent him money, because that's why he's coming to the shop. I asked him, please go buy me wine, and I gave him the money. Please go buy me flour, and you know, and I gave him the money. Since he's making all the, getting the gift on account of my money, Chazal said you should split it. Ah, exactly, that's what I was coming to. So, so, so how do we pass? So when would it make a difference? So what we've said so far doesn't really... If I just send you, I say, can you go buy an air ticket for me? And you buy it and you get extra air miles. Or I send you to buy two. Can you go buy? They often have whatever, three foot, what's a three foot two? You pay for two t-shirts and you get an extra t-shirt. Anything like that. Or a, or a, a burger brew at the sale for every three, bur- uh, they have it at the coffee shop down the road. Every ten coffees or something, every five coffees, you get a free coffee. So I said, can you go buy me some coffee? And you come with the free one. So then it would fit. It doesn't really matter whether you learn like Rashi or these other issues. And it might make a subtle difference. But what happens if the guy specifies and he says, oh, you the guy in my shop, I'm giving it to you. Um, so you know what? Um, yeah, so the Tosus brings the, uh, sorry, this is Shulchan Aruch Mishpat, that's the section that discusses civil law, and it's under Hilchus Shaluchim, the laws of the halachas of when you send someone again, as you can see, there are many ramifications. And he says, so he says, he says they divide the excess hashliach in bal hamals with the money. Okay, but something like that, that doesn't have a set price. Goes first. Then the Ramo adds in. Again, he's clearly he's arguing on the He says, "Miu im amar hamoichem v'feiroch shenoisein leshliach akol shlashliach." If he's if the seller says explicitly, "I'm giving it to you." The shliach, the one who's coming to my shop, then it all goes to the shliach. That's clearly like Rashi. Rashi was the one who said. Rashi was the one who said. 
I'm we're not sure whether when the, is he giving it because of the money or is he giving it because of the guys who's in his shop. Therefore, we split it. But if he says I'm giving it to the shliach, well then we um, then we know. According, but according to the other rishonim, it, it does make a difference still because no, you you the shliach is you're getting this deal. You're getting these extra <laughs> bottles of wine that the shopkeeper is giving you as a gift. But all because of the extra of his money. So according to that, you should still split it. And this, yeah, as you said, this is very practical with air miles. You're buying a business a business trip. So you, what you use your credit card to buy the business trip. Who gets the who gets the miles? That's one. Another question is uh, I heard it as a what, um, I'm just trying to think. But the chauffeur, what was the exact question? Slip my mind, but it could be very often you get, um, I'll, um, I'll take food orders from you. Oh, you want a coffee, you want a hot chocolate, I'm going to take your orders and I'm going to go get the free. And then when I go to the shop and give them, take, get four coffees, they're going to give me one free. So I split it amongst you all, can I keep it to myself? Um, so, so, so it's actually a very practical. Yeah. I mean, for example, I can go pay my company's rates and taxes with my private credit card. Yeah, I earn miles on my private credit card. Yeah, so, should miles, so should, <laughs> so should the miles go to the company or you? So interest, so, so there, I mean, it's double kitzba. That's set. It's like, you know exactly how many miles you're going to get for thing. Same thing when it's a shop discount. And very, so, so you could say, I think, that the company sending you, they don't care how you pay their rates and taxes. They don't care how you get to the destination. They're saying you organize it and we'll reimburse you. So there it's, the, and it's a set amount. They could calculate and say, but we want to split or something. So they're aware that you're doing the effort. It's all because of the one paying the money. It's got nothing to do with who you are. Whether, whether it's me, whether it's you, whether it's Benji, whoever's credit card is swapping is going to get the miles. So it's, it's nothing to do with the... The, so, so that would be a, that's, I think that's the correct argument, at least according to the Ramor, where you know it's because of the, if you know it's because of the Shliach, you give it to the Shliach like Rashi, then it's, then it's very easy at all. The Machaber and the other Rishonim are a little bit more tricky, but you can say that, because you might say, it made you making the money off. But again, here, uh, the Ramor is how we would pass him. And this is going to do business with Sparty because then you might run. Oh, don't don't buy, don't pay for the Sparty's uh, business trip on your credit card because then you're going to run into trouble because maybe he should go like the Machabe. But for your Ashkenazi friends who you pass can like the Ramor, then it definitely would make sense again because I know I know when I say can you book this flight for me and I'll pay you back. I know that you're going to use your credit card and you're going to get your miles. That's the Whoever the credit card is, that's who they deal with, the person paying. They don't want it. They don't care who you're buying it for, whatever. So that would be the halach in that case. Um, but it's interesting, hidden in the suya, a very, very practical, relevant uh, um, issue. Very, very impressed that you spotted that. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a great business we have. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it poses problems when there's partners. Like if you're an equal partner, yeah. and you're going to go pay with your credit card, your private credit card, yeah. Uh, it creates uh, distrust or whatever because the, right? your partner will think, well, you, 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 you benefit. Yeah. 
You could also also potentially make like the flat. Uh, sometimes I know it, like, they give you like a cashback. So you pay for the flight worth, I don't know, whatever it is, 10,000 rand to get to London and you get a cash back on your credit card of uh, 500 rand, 1,000 rand, whatever it is. Should that cash back go to the business or to you, it's your credit card. So that would be almost more so. Yeah, that's a problem. You should uh, discuss it. If it's your own business, it doesn't matter. But if you've got a problem, yeah. So you should... Uh, so I would... Uh, I would uh, yeah. Wait till the last game goes. <laughs> I would... Uh, well, if it's the business credit card, then uh, Miles would go to the business company. You know. um, but if it's your credit card that you're doing business expenses on, that's where I think it's credit. But yeah. Um, yeah, so so I mean, you must discuss it with your partner. If he's uh, if he wants the company to get the miles, or he wants to get the miles himself, then you're gonna have to work out some. Uh, Thing. But again, if the normal thing is that whoever's paying the expenses pays the, with their credit card and gets the thing back, then uh, that would be fair. Okay, Omar Papa, Rav Papa says, uh, so we did Rav Papa, the halacha, says, Iboy lehu, Omar lei zovin lelitcha, v'ozov zovin lei kura. If someone said to his shlia, sell this land for a lesech, which is half a kur, and he went and he sold a kur. So I asked you, go sell my field, go sell half my field. And instead of selling half my field, you sold my whole field. It says, my, what's the halacha? Do we say, Moisif al-Dvarapu, Miakoni? Do we say, all you did was add on to what I asked you, so the lesech is a good sale. The half a field is a good sale. Oidilma, Mabir al-Dvarapu, or maybe we say you're going against what I told you. The Lishchanami lo'ikonu, even the lesser isn't sell. I, I ask you to please go sell half my field, and instead of selling half the field, you sell the whole field. Do you view it as if you fulfilled half of your shliach, and you've just done more than I asked you? So obviously we cancel what you've done more than I asked you. I didn't ask you to do that. You weren't acting on my behalf. You can't sell my field unless you're acting on my behalf. But the half that I did ask you to sell is considered sell. Or do we say, since I asked you to sell a lesser, and you sold half the field, and you sold the whole field, you didn't find the whole thing's cancelled. Obviously, this is a case where the seller, the, the mushalach, the one who sent him, is, is wanting to back out of the sale for whatever reason. He doesn't want to go through with it anymore. It says, Rav Yaakum in Harpokot says, in the name of Rabina, he says, I got approved. He says, Omar, um, you know, now this is based on Me'ila. Me'ila is when you either get benefit or you misappropriate temple property, transgress Me'ila. Very in- one of the interesting halachas. Um, of Me'ila, generally we say if there's no such thing as agency to do an Avaira if I ask you to go do something that's an Avaira we don't say it's as if because I asked you to do it it's my Avaira so if I say will you go steal that item for me I'm not held accountable for the theft you're the thief the one who but by Me'ila there is so if I give you food, or if I ask you to, to go do something, and that is me'ila, I, as the sender, would be the one who transgresses it. So, Omar Barabai, he told the Barabai, he says, give them some of that food, give each visitor a piece of that food. He says, now that food turns out to be um, a temple property. 
says, Vahu Aimer Tulushtaim. And the messenger told them, Take. Each take two pieces. And they actually take three. Kulan Malu. They all transgress Me'ila. And the Bahabais told them, You can each take one. Now they went and they each took two. So the, the one we're saying they took on behalf of the Barabai, so that's why he transgresses. They each took, oh sorry, and the Shliach told them to each take two, so they're now taking a second piece under the direction, under the agency of the Shliach. And then they each take a third piece, so now they've also transgressed Me'ila because that they're not following anyone's instruction. Now it says, If you say that he's considered adding to the initial command, because of this, the Barabai transgresses Me'ila. If you say that he's transgressing his words, Barabai am my Mo'el. Why did the Barabai transgress Me'ila? We'll bring the proof now, but again, he's saying, if I ask you, go give each of my visitors one piece of meat. And it turns out that that meat is Hegdash. And you gave them each a piece of meat. Who's under, whose agency were you working? Under mine. And that's why I would transgress, but not you. But what happens if I tell you, go give each of the visitors a piece of meat, and you go and tell the visitors they can each take two pieces of meat. Now, if you say half is under my direction, and half is under the shliach's direction, then I would transgress me'ila. But if you say, the shliach is going against what I said, and therefore it's all under the shliach, then I wouldn't transgress me'ila, only the shliach. So how does this answer our question? By the fact that it says, both the balabais and the shliach transgresses me'ila. You see that? If I ask you to do, sell half a field, and you sell the whole field, you're adding on to what I said. The half is valid. So too, when I said you go give the visitors one piece of meat and you give them two pieces of meat, what's it? You've done what I said and you've added on yourself. So it says, says, where do we see this? He says, um, yeah, it says, if you say that the shliach is just Transgressing what I said, I is not carrying out his agency. Barabais and Mamoel, why does the Barabais transgress Mila? We learned in a Mishnah, if a Shliach carries out his agency, the Barabais transgresses Mila. If the Shliach does not carry out the instruction, then the Shliach transgresses. If I said, go give them the, I'm just assuming, go give them the, the Burgos. And you go and give them the Burvos, turns out the Burvos was temple property, then you would transgress. But if I said, go give them the Burvos, and you went and gave them burgers, and the burgers turn out to be temple property, you're not carrying out what I asked you to do, so I wouldn't transgress me, it would be the messenger transgressing me. So, so too, again, if I asked you to give them one piece of meat, and you told them to take two pieces of meat, but the fact that the Mishnah says that the Barabaj transgresses me, must be his. The, the half, the one piece of meat, was his. So Gemara says, No, half of my skin to Amr Lahu, Tulu Achas Midato, Shel Barabayis, the Achas Midati, Rishoplu, Inutlas. He says, No, the case is where he said, I give, the, the Barabayis says you can take one. And I say you can take two. So clearly, with the first piece they take, they're taking on behalf of the Barabayis who said they could have a piece. The second piece they take is on behalf of the Shliach, and then when they go take a third piece, 
that's on their own volition and that's how they all transgress. I think we're going to, so we have an answer in our question. Again, our question was when you ask the shliach to go sell half a field and he sells the whole field, do we say that he's totally gone against what you asked him to do and therefore the whole sale is void? Or do we say that the half a field is sold, it's the extra half that he did on his own uh, volition that is invalid and we'll continue trying to prove that in tomorrow's year. Thank you.